Dear friends, before I start with my conference, I would invite you that we say together three Hail Marys, glorifying God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and asking them to help us, to help me, because I have to give the conference in a language that's not mine, and to help you, that you might understand me, and if not, just keep praying the rosary, so <laughs> at least you use the time well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So as you can read it, the topic of my conference is Lent with Our Lady and St. Joseph. And I have to be honest right away, I have to give you a small introduction to the topic because otherwise you'll immediately ask yourself, what is he talking about? So I'll come to that title later on, just to do it step by step. We started, whoop, these were some pictures too much. We started the period of Lent. So most often people say, oh, we are now in the period of Lent. We have to do a bit of fasting and nobody is actually happy with it. But there is a deeper sense of it. So when I looked it up, what would people say that Lent might be? Okay, that's one of the definitions that I found for Lent time. Lent is in the Christian religion the 40 days before Easter, a period during which, for religious reasons, people, some people stop doing particular things that they enjoy. And I have to say that if you have Lent in mind, as something like this, for sure, Lent is frightening you. Pope Benedict XVI said something different. He said, in fact, we are setting out on the journey of Lent which consists in listening to the word of God and in prayer and in penance. And that's why I chose the title Lent with Our Lady and St. Joseph because today I want to talk about the word of God. Because Our Lady, she is the example for us how we should receive the word of God. She is the model for us regarding to our disposition. If we are not open, the Lord can say whatever he wants to us because we're not listening. So we have to look at Our Lady to figure out what our disposition should be like regarding to the Word of God. And St. Joseph, because he is our example of how we have to put it into practice, how we have to live the Word of God. Because the Word of God is not a mere information God gave us. No, these are the indications for our way to heaven. 
So the Word of God is a program that we have to put into practice something that we have to live and not just yeah, to hear it once in a while and then forget about it. There was a different document given by the Congregation for Divine Worship where they said more or less the same as Pope Benedict XVI said. The annual Lent season is the fitting time to climb the holy mountain of Easter. The faithful, ever more attentive to the word of God and prayer, prepare, their, prepare themselves by penance for the renewal of their baptismal promise. And as you know, that's part of the liturgy of Easter, the renewal. And in this renewal of this baptismal promise, we renounce Satan and his work, and we promise to serve God. And therefore, the renewal of the baptismal promise is something important. And yet, mostly it's forgotten, because Easter is just the resurrection of our Lord. Yeah, for sure it is, absolutely. But he resurrected from the death to give us eternal life. And we got eternal life through the sacrament of holy baptism. That's part of the liturgy. So when we are celebrating Easter this year, don't forget when you have your candle in the hand. It's not something romantic or beautiful. It's something super important for our life as Christian. Because through the baptism, we have the possibility to part participate in God's life. And therefore, Pope Benedict, he said something else about Lent. And then I'm nearly done with all the quotes, and you will see just pictures. Pope Benedict said, Therefore, Lent is a renewed catechumenate for us too, in which once again we approach our baptism to rediscover and relive it in death, to return to being truly Christian. And that's the reason, the aim and purpose of Lent, that we come back to him. And therefore he said, Lent is the favorable spiritual season for training ourselves to seek God with great tenacity, opening our heart to Christ. Yesterday we heard the gospel of the temptations of Jesus. And as you noticed, and as Father Nye said in his homily, Jesus never looked the devil in the eye. He never started a discussion. All that Jesus did was, he was quoting the scriptures. So for us, it's also a help if we know the scriptures, but some church fathers already said, there are some temptations where you have to pray and others where you have to run away. So most often, especially for us men, we kind of like to have the discussion. We kind of like to have a small fight going on to see who is better, but that's not part of spiritual life. Spiritual life is to seek God, and if temptation might be too big, we have to take refuge in him. And that's why we have to listen to his word. You know, when they asked Jesus once, what is the greatest in the first commandment? He said, this is the first. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God is the one, only Lord. And you must love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and with all your strength. And therefore the word of God is so important. If we are not listening, there is nothing that we could possibly understand. 
If there is no input, there is nothing that you could receive. The church fathers, also St. Augustine, said, you just can't love what you don't know. But for knowing a person, you have to listen to that person. So the word of God, as we know, is not just a spoken word, it's the second divine person, a living person. And therefore also we should try, no, we have to have a living relationship with the word of God. And that's why if we're listening, it should be like this. We should unplug our phones and kind of plug it in into the word of God. We should listen to his message because his word is powerful. Every single day, we use more or less an average about 16,000 words. And I guess that might be the best picture to describe the situation. 16,000 words. And that's the reason why I guess our Lord has a hard time to talk to us because his word is just one among 16,000 other words. We hear, we make, we say. But there's a big difference between the word of God and our word. As you know, the word of God is also called the good news. And there's a reason behind it. Because his word is not just a word, as I said. It's a living person. And if we look at the cross, that's the manifestation of his love for us. So listening to the word of God, he has the possibility to give us everything that we possibly need. And you might know this church father, that's St. Augustine. In his conversion, the word of God was important. As you know, once he went into the garden in the house of a friend of him, and when he went into the garden, he heard the words, take up and read, take up and read. And he started to read the scriptures. And his whole life changed. So it might seem, oh, that's something from the old church fathers 2,000 years ago. No, maybe you have heard of the book, The Way of a Pilgrim, Tale of a Pilgrim. So you have two titles in English. So I see some people doing like this. So <laughs> the book exists. In this book, the author is telling his experience that he made while he was on a pilgrimage through Russia. And in some stage, he said, while they were sitting at the table, a monk came in and he was collecting some money for his church. And the monk realized that this unknown author was doing really bad and he was sad. And so he was talking to him. And the monk figured out that the problem of this unknown author was he was a drunk and he could never get rid of the alcohol. And so the monk told him that his brother had the same problem some years ago. And then the monk tells him following. His spiritual father gave him a copy of the Gospels with strict orders to read a chapter without a moment's delay every time he felt a longing for wine coming over him. If the desire continued, he was to read a second chapter and so on. That is what my brother did, and at the end of a very short time, his drunkenness came to an end. It is now 15 years since he touched a drop of alcohol. 
And then for sure the unknown author said, yeah, it, it's nice, it's a nice story, thanks, but I don't believe it. And then the monk said, no, you should try it too. And he said, I'll give you a copy of the Gospels that I have. So the unknown author said, you know, I'm not really familiar with the church, what was the Slavonic, Slavonic, that's the church, the Russian church language. And he said, I don't really understand it. So there is no need in giving me a gospel because I'm reading a book that I don't understand. Then the monk said, if you do not understand the word of God, the devils understand what you are reading and tremble. And your drunkenness is certainly the work of devils. And there is another thing that I will tell you. St. John Chrysostomum writes that even in a room in which a copy of the Gospels is kept, holds the spirits of darkness away. So the question that we should ask us once in a while, do I, do you, do we really believe that the Word of God is so powerful that just the mere presence of the Gospels could cast away Satan? Do we believe it? Because I would presume all of us, we have a gospel somewhere in our home. So I know where it is. Usually it's more a dust stand. So we have the gospel, but usually rarely we open it. That's a pity. But we have to believe in the power of the word of God. Because he can change something. So now my, maybe people might think, okay, thanks for the story. It was somewhere in Russia. But since we have an Irish priest here, I want to tell you the story of that Irish venerable. He's called Matt Talbot. I don't know if you heard of him. He came from a family. His dad was a drunk and there were 12 siblings and nearly all of his brothers were a drunk too. So at the age of 13, his life was driven by the desire to drink because also he turned into a drunk. He tried different jobs and all, he man, all his money he used for drinking. At some point he had no money, so he stole the violin of someone, sold it to have the money to go back to the pub. And he had his conversion. And he made a pledge, I presume that's the English word, he made a pledge to Our Lady and said, if you help me not to drink for three months, I promise you not to drink for three months. But he said, because I just can't do it out of myself. I don't have the strength for doing it. So he said, please, Mother Mary, help me. Then he met a priest and he gave him the, also the advice that we heard. Whenever the desire came, he started reading in the scriptures. He started reading the story of the life of the saints. While he was still working, now he always tried to take a different way back to his home because he knew if he would go by nearby the bar, the pub where he usually went in, he might get in there. And that's how also he overcame his addiction by reading the scriptures. So in our lifetime, we all are kind of in the midst of a spiritual offer and what we have to do is to use the gospel. But why? As I said, the word of God is a bit different than ours. As you know, in the creation, God said, for example, let there be light, and there was light. So if I say something, hopefully I mean it, but usually 
there is not really the effect, so I can say a lot of things, and it doesn't change anything, while the Word of God always changes something. So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the manner for which I send it. There's another example that we know from the gospel. It's this one. When Jesus rose the dead girl. But taking her by the hand himself, he spoke to her, Child, get up. And her spirit returned and she got up at the very moment. And that's the reason why we have to believe in the power of the word of God. As St. Augustine said once, the God who created you without you can't save you without you. Because it's always depending on our disposition. And there's the... And there's also the parable of the sower that Jesus told us to showing that's depending on our disposition. When a large crowd gathered with people from one town after another turning to Jesus, he spoke in a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sawed, some fell on the path and was trampled, and the birds of the sky ate it up. Some seed fell on rocky ground, and when it grew, it withered for lack of moisture. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. And some seed fell on good soil, and when it grew, it produced fruit a hundredfold. As you see, the seed is always the same. So not the seed is the problem. It might be our disposition being the problem if the word of God can produce something in us or not. In the book of Revelations, the Lord has to say at some stage, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold or hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, and neither hot or cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. And it sounds really harsh, but I'll try to explain it. If a boat sinks, capsizes, I would say there are three types of people. The first one are those who know that they can swim, so they try to take the lifeboat immediately. The second ones are the ones who know they are capable of swimming, but they know that the shore, the coast, is way too far away, so they have to take a lifeboat too. The third group is the ones believing it's sufficient to be a swimmer, and they just go without taking care and notice of the lifeboat. Why I'm saying this? Usually, at some stage, the sinner recognizes that he's in need, so he takes the lifeboat. The saint knows he might be doing well for a bit, but he needs the lifeboat too, because it's his grace and not our merit. While those who are indifferent, they don't care. And that's the big problem. If we don't care, the Lord can't help us, because he's not forcing us. That's why St. Augustine said, the Lord who has created you without you can't save you 
without you. Because it's depending on us if we allow him to save us. The word of God. Should be coming soon. <laughs> okay. Okay. Doesn't matter, we just, I just tried. So in Medjugorje, maybe you have heard of the place, Medjugorje, where Our Lady appears. She said, in 2019, last year, the 2nd of November, my children read the book of the gospel. It is always something new. It is what binds you to my son, who was born to bring the words of life to all of my children and to sacrifice himself for all. And in 2006, Our Lady said, Dear children, also today I call you to be carriers of the gospel in your families. Do not forget, little children, to read the sacred scriptures. Put it in a visible place and witness with your life that you believe and live the word of God. Yes, that's Medjugorje. St. Francis said, to read sacred scriptures means to turn to Christ for advice. And in the Old Testament we read, Your words were found and I ate them. And your words become for me a joy and the delight of my heart. And I know it was a long introduction, but finally we made it. Because I said we want to talk about Lent with Our Lady and St. Joseph. Because she is our example how we should receive the word of God. Because it's depending on us. It's depending on our disposition if we are willing and ready to listen to him. So, as you know, at the time, everybody was expecting the Messiah. And everybody had this wish, this dream, that maybe their family is part of the bloodline of the Messiah. So being the mother of the Messiah was the greatest thing that you could possibly imagine at that time. And that's why Our Lady is an example for us, because what was her answer given when the angel appeared to her? She said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. She never said like, Yeah, jackpot, I got it, it's me. No, she said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. And we have to learn from her the way we should answer to God's calling with humility, with love and full of trust. Yeah, she gave her fiat. She said, yes. But she said also, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. As you know, in the Gospels, there were 12 men, and while they were walking with Jesus, and Jesus was teaching them for three years, while they were walking towards the city, they had a nice discussion going on. So when they came to the place, Jesus asked his apostles and said, so you were talking about what? And they gave him no answer. Because our Lord knew they were discussing who might be the greatest among them. And that's our temptation. Whenever the Lord entrusts us a vocation, it's not about greatness, 
it's about service. It's about love. And therefore, Our Lady is so important because we see when the angel appeared to her with this beautiful message, she said, Behold, I'm the handmaid. While the apostles, still after three years, just had a problem to figure out who might be the greatest. And therefore, she is also our help for Lent time. And Our Lady said a second thing that's important for Lent time. She said, Be it done to me according to thy will. So that's the confirmation that she gave to the angel. But saying, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, it shows us that Our Lady was still open to receive more from the Lord, to receive, let me call it like this, new orders. If the Lord would have given her something else, she would have done it, because she never stopped. And that's why we have to go with her through the time of Lent, because she never stopped. She always was walking towards the Lord. And that's the reason why when she came to Elizabeth, you know what she said, Elizabeth? Blessed is she who believed that the promise made her by the Lord will be fulfilled. And that's a line that sounds nice, but there's a deeper meaning behind it. Because all of you, you know his, this one, the father of John the Baptist. When the angel appeared to him, it was exactly the same archangel. It was Archangel Gabriel. He also brought him this beautiful, marvelous message that his wife should receive a son. And what was his reaction? He just couldn't believe it. He said, I'm way too old. My wife is not the youngest anymore. So how could this possibly be? If we have a look on Our Lady, the task of believing in the message of the angel was much more difficult. Because we know in the Old Testament there are different examples when a woman by divine what was the word? intervention could receive a child. But there was never the case that a virgin would receive a child. They were all married women. So now the angel Gabriel comes to Our Lady and tells her something that normally is impossible. And yet she believed him. And that's the greatness of Our Lady. She was not trying to get into the discussion and saying, hold on, dear Gabriel, that's a bit impossible. No, she believed the impossible. And that's the reason why the angel said in the end, nothing is impossible to God. When, for example, the shepherds left, or when they found child Jesus in the temple, we always read, and Mary, she treasured all these things and pondered them in their heart. So I would like to read you a, a small story. If I find it. There we go. The story is called The Old Man Sitting on the Locked Chest. Once upon a time, there was a man. He was very poor and old and always sat at home on an old chest. He thought and thought and thought, and since he was so poor, he thought most above how poor he was. And so he died. 
Then the people from the village came to clean the house and found the locked chest on which he had said always. They opened it and could not believe their eyes. It was full of gold and precious stones. The poor old man had never looked into it in his whole life. And so he died poor. Our treasure chest is the Holy Bible. There we find the answers to everything, but we have to have the disposition that Our Lady had to be humble, to be full of love, and to have this trust in God that whatever He promises, He'll keep His promise. The title was Lend with Our Lady and Saint Joseph. As I said, Our Lady is an example how we should receive the Word of God. And Saint Joseph is the one showing us in which way we should put it into action. You know this saint? Saint Therese of Avila. It was her saying, Ite ad Josephum. Whatever you have, just go to Saint Joseph. He'll take care of it. And she said once, I took for my patron and lord the glorious Saint Joseph. I cannot call to mind that I have ever asked him at any time for anything he has not granted. I'm filled with amazement when I consider the great favors God has given me through this blessed saint. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said, In all truth I tell you, whoever believes in me will perform the same works as I do myself, and he will perform even greater works because I'm going to my because I'm going to the Father. So do we believe it? Hopefully, yeah, it's written in the scriptures. But where do we see that in the life of Saint Joseph? I would say we see it there. It was him saving the Savior. Because he believed. And I would say that was yeah, a work maybe not greater than what Jesus did. That's for sure not. But like he saved the Savior. So without St. Joseph, we would have some big problems in the story of salvation. Why? Because St. Joseph was a man of contemplation. Sorry, that's a different sort of contemplation. <laughs> there we go. He was a man of contemplation. And as you know, to contemplate means to reflect upon something, to ponder it, to study it, to gaze attentively. And that's what St. Joseph did. If you allow me, I might give you a wrong explanation of the word contemplate. As you know, it's Latin Con, and that's still the part that's true, means with. Con, with. Template has a different meaning, but I would allow myself to say we could also add the word temple. Because contemplate means to consider God's presence in our lives. So whenever you go home, that's not what the word contemplation means. But I like the idea of it because that's what St. Joseph did. 
he always was considering God's presence in his life. And therefore, he is such an example for us. You know, the, the British, they would say, my home is my castle. So what do we have to say as Christians? I would say, my home is my church. So don't get me wrong. You always have to come to church to receive the sacraments. That's obvious. There is no doubt. That's absolutely sure. But it's important that the church is not just a place where we go to, but that the church becomes something that we also bring back to our lives, back to our homes. Why? If you want to become a saint, and that's the aim of our life here on earth, I don't think it's sufficient that we go to church once a week or maybe seven times a week for an hour and that's it. Because we become saints in our normal daily life. For sure we have to go to church, don't get me wrong on that, because that's the place where we receive the sacraments. And yet we have to bring the love that we receive here, we also have to take it with us and not leave it here. So when we go out through the door, we should bring his love with us into the world of work, in our homes. And therefore I guess we have to say, my home is my church. That's also called the domestic church, as you know. So, Mother Teresa always said, a family that prays together stays together. And that's the picture that maybe mostly people would still do it in Germany. They don't do it anymore. They would just start eating right away. But Mother Teresa, when she said it, she had not in mind this situation, but something like that. A family that really prays together to have your time as a family, as a married couple, where you pray together. So as I said, if you, for example, do some sports and you kind of like swimming, or maybe that's your favorite, or you maybe like rock climbing, whatever it is, if you have the desire to become good in it, it's not sufficient to do it once a week. It's not sufficient to do it once a day. Yeah, you will get some skills, that's obvious, but you'll never become great in it. Because, for example, my favorite sport was soccer, and we had training every day. And yet, I'm not great enough, and therefore I became a priest. No, just kidding. <laughs> but it's, it's not sufficient if you just do it once a day, because that's what you like. No, no. Also, the faith is something that we have to do a bit more often. And that's the reason when we look at St. Joseph, why he is our example in that time, how he lived the word of God. He became a saint at home. Yeah, he went to the temple, absolutely. But what did St. Joseph do? When he went to the temple, he also brought God back to his home. Well, if we go to church... Once in a while it could happen to us that we leave him here, that we forget him here, and we just go out there by our own. But usually if we come in here, just us, alone, we're always going out in two with him. And that's what St. Joseph did. St. Joseph was a man guided and led by the Spirit. As I said, he was a man of contemplation. 
And there's another thing that we can learn from Saint Joseph. Whenever the angel appeared to him, he never delayed anything. He never doubted anything. He just got up in the middle of the night, took the, took the child and his mother and left. And I have to be honest, I don't know if an angel would appear to me and tell me, go up in the middle of the night and leave to a country that you don't know, you don't speak the language. I don't know, I really have to, I don't know if I would get up and leave immediately. Because I would say, oh Lord, that's quite challenging, that's a bit crazy. But Saint Joseph did. And that's why he could save our Savior. Because he was not delaying anything. He was not going into a discussion saying, sorry Lord, you knew that it would be coming, so you could have arranged it a bit differently, given me a week time to organize the things. No, the angel appeared in the middle of the night, Saint Joseph got up and left. As I said, a family that prays together stays together. The divorce rate among couples who go to church together regularly is nearly the same as among unbelievers. One out of two. But the divorce rate among couples who pray together daily is one out of 1,153. So, it's good that we're going to church, but don't forget to bring the church to your home. That's when we receive his love, our home is the place where we have to live his love. Mother Teresa said once, prayer is not asking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depth of our heart. So as I said, lend a time with Our Lady and St. Joseph. Because Our Lady shows us how we should receive the Word of God, how we should treat it, while St. Joseph shows us how we should live it, how we should put it into, an act, into action. So I don't know if you ever had the temptation to say it would be so easy if I would be part of the homily, if I would be part of the Holy Family of Nazareth. So usually people are saying, oh, for the apostles it was so easy to live with Jesus. And my dear friends, we should never forget this. We received much more. We received much more than Saint Joseph. He never had the possibility to receive Holy Communion. He never received the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. He never received this merciful heart. But we do. So maybe you're asking yourself, okay, that's the Jesus part, but where is Our Lady? Once a priest asked Father Pio, Padre Pio, you heard of him, he asked him, Father, is the Madonna at this moment in your room? And Padre Pio's answer was, wrong formulation. You should have asked, did the Madonna ever leave this room? Because also at the cross, our Savior himself said, Behold, woman, your son. So we got more than Saint Joseph. Why the word of God is so important? Because it's so powerful. I would like to tell you a true story, but it's a kind of a funny one, and I'm not encouraging people to do what you're going to hear in a few seconds. Um, it was the case 
of a man going to prisons in Zimbabwe, in Africa. And he handed out the gospel to all the prisoners. So he came to one and he was insisting that this guy might also accept the gospel and take one. So the prisoner said, if you insist on forcing this New Testament on me, I will roll a cigarette out of every single page. And you know what the answer was? Very well, you can do that, but you must promise to read the page of the New Testament before you smoke it. So I'm not encouraging you to smoke your Bible. But the story, the story goes on. So this man who went to the prisons, he became the general secretary of Zimbabwe's Bible Society. So they had a big gathering, a meeting, a conference, and he was given a talk. At some point, a man stood up in the audience and said, this man certainly does not remember me, but 15 years ago he gave me a gospel, although I threatened to use it as cigarette paper. I smoked Matthew, I smoked Mark, I smoked Luke, but when I came across verse 16 in the third chapter of John's Gospel, for God so loved man that he gave his only son for them, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. From that moment on, I could no longer smoke and my life changed forever. Today, the former Bible smoker is a pastor in Zimbabwe. Why I'm saying this? Because the Lord can use everything. Even something, sorry for saying like this, something stupid like that. A guy who uses the scripture for smoking it. And yet the Lord used it to touch his heart. That's how powerful the word of God is. So yeah, it happened in Africa. And last year it became a famous story in Germany because this old man got arrested in Germany for murder and to him happened exactly the same. He got a Bible and he used it as cigarette paper and also he had his conversion and now he's traveling in the German-speaking world giving testimony about his life, how the Lord has changed his life by something yeah, so strange, so yeah, crazy. So why I'm telling you all this? Because whenever God speaks, whenever he gives us his word, there will be an effect. There will be fruit. It's impossible that he would say a word and there's no result afterwards. Because as we heard in creation, God's word is so powerful. Let there be light and there was light. And you know, when Our Lady appeared in Fatima, at one stage she said, if you are listening to me and if you would do what I ask of you, there would be peace. That's how powerful the word of God is. So as a practical advice to come to a conclusion, I guess that's the best way to remember the whole conference. Use soap. Not honestly, use soap. No, there's, it's an abbreviation. So use soap stands for use the scripture, read it. Observation. What 
was touching you the most? What stroke you the most? What's the thing that where the Lord touched your heart through his word in the sacred scriptures? Then soap, application, live it. It's not an extra information we got for free. It's a program. The word of God is our indication how we can get to heaven. And soap, P for sure, stands for prayer. Because we have to read the scripture in the same spirit in which it was written. So, as I said, all you have to remember from today is use soap always. Read the scriptures, make your observation, put it into practice, the application, and pray over it. And so, to come to an end, we want to say still one Hail Mary together because that's the way our Lord is guiding us through land, through his word. Because it's so powerful, but it's depending on us in which way we receive it, if we are open for it or not. So we can pray all together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So if anyone of you should have a question, I can try to answer it. I don't know if I'll make it, but... <laughs> so if there are any questions, please let me know. And if not, you are free. <laughs> Go forth in peace. <laughs> and thanks for your attention.